0: Log Talk Radio. Chill on Sea Island. We're going on, Hunter Chill Sea Island. This year, the Queen Quet Head. On this show, Gullah Geechee Nation. So glad that 100 children are tuning in one more again to Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio Station. This your Labor Day. Happy Labor Day to 100 children with the Chona. Especially all them was still there in the union and things like that. Eh? And that, that to all them bunch of family reunions. So glad that 100 children take the time out this evening for join me for we show, Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio. The Gullah Geechee Sea Coalition. So glad that every Monday we detect that your time for the upliftment to live a legacy and for pay ancestral homage. So we're so glad that a hundred children taught them not robbery but take out a little bit of time for this year holy it is for a stop boy and for a giant we're so glad for their care. So this year evening we're going to break them down with a few things. Liberty, civil rights and self-determination. So we're going to dedicate this year program to all of the ancestors that who we'll be going down there for their freedom march. All of them, whoop it, full of blood. The planet is your counter and thing. about 50 years ago, when they started this thing, they are dead. One of the Yetiam core Civil Rights Movement. When they're gonna do all this, you people ain't gonna stand tall, tall. Still got people y'all wearing non stand tall, tall. Why? People are march. Why people are sitting? Why people are walk for freedom every day, every self? Determination. But this year evening, we will help her get a leave at standing, Understanding, greatest thing in the world. So we're going to take a leave it at a time, but we'll take a moment of silence for all of them we will be lost in life during this year's thing. we the core civil rights movement. Thank you, thank you. Thank God, say, we're still the dear, Island. After all of these years done going by, where plenty of children that wonder why you're marching again. Plenty of people are wonder what a going on and things like that when you talk about liberty. Everybody that thinks liberty is just a time for barbecue, but liberty is just a time for to get together for nyam punting. People... And understand, stand, say, this isn't just time for us What oh, is the last time for this summer and summer over after this year? It's plenty more to this year thing than that. And we want to take this year thing in context for leave leave it on standing. So we going to go back away as we will come into this year time and carry on a backward. So let me crack me deep like this so I can make sure that other people understand. stand. So I want people to truly under and overstand why these things are so important and why today this show decided to focus on labor day civil rights and self-determination because each and every one of those things of course could have easily been discussed as a separate topic And as you all well know who are regular listeners, we have and will continue to discuss each and every one of those and analyze each and every one of those topics separately. But tonight, We thought it was appropriate to do another Labor Day broadcast, as many of you have been listening, and we want to thank each and every one of you who have continued to support this broadcast over the years, who have started to subscribe to it on iTunes, that even when you miss the show live, you immediately go into the archive, because I get a lot of Facebook messages that let me know, Queen, quite I wasn't there for the show live, but I sure tune in now, and I truly appreciate and respect each and every one of you who take the time out of your schedules to listen in, to hear what is being said, but more than that, to be able to go forth and to share it. That makes all the difference in the world, and that is critical to where we are now, where a lot of people are thinking that people are just doing commemorations, dry long soul, like they ain't got nothing else to do, or they just got free time, or just a bunch of other people want to get on the microphone or make a name for themselves. Well, what we need to do is know our story so that we can grow from the story that has already been created. If honeini no honeini different, honeini guai no the guai. So we want to make sure that we put in context what is going on right now and how does that relate to Gullah Geechis. In terms of the commemorations that you are hearing about, you're seeing, some you're witnessing. Many of you probably did what I did last week and the previous Saturday, was to tune in to the various speeches and the programming that was going on concerning the 50-year commemoration of the U.S. Civil Rights Movement. What was not included was D.C. Island. What was not included was our story and the major role that was played here in the Gullah Geechee Nation. And then when we start to get into a discussion of the labor movement, what that means, what that still is, what is still going on, to me there's an overlap that many people ignored when because they did not look at the context of the time nor the entire story of what the March on Washington actually was about, nor how that got put together. And people definitely are not familiar with the history of the labor movement here in the Gullah Geechee Nation. And so I thought that it was a critical time to not just have another Labor Day show just to have one, but to actually have a discussion tonight about what is currently going on in terms of the overlapping components of this story and what is the living component of the story. What is happening right now? While people were at home turning on the television to listen to speech after speech, whether you agreed with the speeches or not, is not the issue. But just to know that there were all of these speeches that were going on, but you might say, well, okay, that's nice. So we had the King family, and we had, you know, Congressman Lewis, and, you know, we've heard of these people, we've seen them before, and, of course, this is what you would expect, and everyone still, you know, the only thing that wasn't done at the end of the two sets of days of speeches, the one led by Al Sharpton and National Action Network, where he keynoted on the Saturday, and then the one led by President Barack Obama that happened on the actual 50th year since the March on Washington. That The only thing that I didn't hear done, and I know that on television shows they were editing out um, the information and so forth as well, so we didn't necessarily get to hear all of it anyway, the only thing that I did not hear was kumbaya. Kumbaya was the only thing I saying. Because the way the entire March on Washington has always, and I hadn't seen it change, all right, been done was that it was presented as if we're all getting along now. Because we're all here and we've all marched here together, we're all getting along. The good thing was if you listened closely to the speeches, they were actually saying, well, we can't all get along until we all have equality. So this is what that march was originally put together for. Again, what that got to do with the Gullah Geechee Nation. Well, Dr. Martin Luther King, Stokely Carmichael, a.k.a. Kwame the Reverend Ralph Abernathy, all God bless dead, Reverend Jesse Jackson, the other leaders of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, all of them came together and would meet here on St. Helena Island at a place and a space where I went today to show someone the grounds but to also just give thanks and appreciation for those who had come before us, was here on St. Helena Island at what was the historic Penn School, which was founded in 1862. This is now Penn Center Incorporated, a nonprofit organization that also has a museum, the York W. Bailey Museum, which is a major tourist destination now in the Gullah Geechee Nation. But St. Helena Island was an island that Dr. Martin Luther King used to come to and stay here on the island and stay in different people's homes. If you visit Penn Center today, you will find that there's a King Cottage there. Well, he never got to stay in the King Cottage because it was built for him because he continued to come here and do so much planning here, including the Poor People's Campaign, March on Washington, and numerous different sessions of training interracial groups so they could go and sit in at these counters and then be able to tolerate the vehemence and the violence that was going to come at them as a part of this nonviolent movement, which was an ideology, it was a framework, it was a philosophy of how to actually forward a movement. The black power movement is another discussion for another night, but that was another vehicle to try to forward the agenda of equality. But now the labor movement was also a movement to forward the agenda of equality. Now, many people, as they think about the March of Washington, they think about the Civil Rights Movement, they leave out the sea islands like John's Island, where many of the songs that were sang during the Civil Rights Movement, the various marches that happened in the Deep South, the various things that we see repeated over and over and over on film footage during this time of year and during Black History Month, a lot of those songs that you hear were actually spirituals that they heard sang on John's Island, and Saint Helena Island, when the people who became the freedom riders, the people who became those like Point Poinsett Clark, God bless that, who helped to educate people, Esau Jenkins, who helped to ed, to be a part of this movement to get people around, transporting them, and so that they could get them to the point where they could go in and even take these tests that were, of course, biased that were, of course, set up for anyone in America to fail, asking people questions like how many bubbles are inside a bar of soap, how many marbles are in a big old fishbowl with a bunch of marbles just dropped in there, things that were done to discourage them, but then yet putting questions on down on paper about the U.S. Constitution and other things. First and foremost, you would need to know how to read. Second, you need to know how to write to do those tests. But then you would need to know what the U.S. Constitution was and what the wording meant what that meant to a U.S. citizen, since you were saying you are one and you have a right to vote and that that is part of your citizenship. So these are the kinds of things that even on buses, even under oak trees, in in the churches, people gathered that did know how to read and write, did understand how to analyze these documents, got together and helped each one to teach one so that then folks could go down, take these tests, Pass these tests Get their voter registration cards And vote But now The voting was one thing As y'all could say now If we look at what's going on in the U.S. and their Congress You could say, well, they voted them guys in, But what you know, what's really going on there So the vote is one thing But the actions of the people Are the true thing they, There's a statement I hear often When I'm in Washington, D.C. All politics are local And the reason they say that is because no matter what mandates are passed as congressional acts, usually those things come back down to the states, like South Carolina is what they call a self-rule state, so then... They then have to set up their own laws within the South Carolina General Assembly. Then from there it comes down to county-level governments. They set up ordinances. Then it can come down to city and town governments. They can set up other ordinances, all right? So each level has a different layer of law and legislation. So now who's really dictating what you're living under? That's where the action comes in, and that action usually needs to be grassroots, it needs to be local, it needs to be directed, and it definitely has to be self-determined. What is it of the people that they need, and what is it that they're willing to stand up and fight for? There's an excellent compilation of the speeches that were presented last year in Chicago at a conference sponsored by IRAM, the International Human Rights Association for American Minorities. I'm on the directorate for, and God bless the dead, Dr. Yusuf N. Cly was a founder of this organization, which is an NGO with consultative status with the United Nations. The book is called From Civil Rights to Human Rights and Self-Determination. You can go to Gullagiti.biz if you'd like to order a copy, or you can go to Clarity Press but you can go to G-U-L-L-A-H-G-E-E-C-H-E-E dot B-I-Z if you would like to go ahead and order a copy um, of this book, From Civil Rights to Human Rights and Self-Determination. Well, when we start to look at self-determination in the Gullah Geisha Nation, it is no surprise to us that there were major movers and shakers that were engaged in the planning process, engaged in the training process, and became part of the Freedom Rides, the sit-ins, the marches, and so forth throughout the Gullah Geechee Nation because they were building on a legacy of Denmark VC. They were building on a legacy of Cato. They were building on a legacy of numerous Seminoles that fought. They were building on a legacy of freedom. They were building on the first South Carolina volunteer African regiment, spirit and energy, that freedom was their birthright, and that before I be a slave, I be very and hungry, I grind home to my God and be free. So when we start to talk about labor, even, it is a labor to plan, to march, to take action. But so now, let us go into this about today, Labor Day, and why I mentioned earlier unions. And normally when you hear the word union, the word organize should come to you. So all of these things to stand up and fight, whether you want to look through the lens of civil rights or you want to look through the lens of human rights, all of that requires organization. And it requires this word that's now becoming a buzz term, Sustainability. But it requires focus. And to be sustained through the energy and the spirits of those who came before you is a critical thing. And that's why they couldn't sing them songs like, Gonna let nobody turn me around, turn me around. Turn me around and why let nobody turn me around. Why keep on walking, keep on talking, marching up freedom land. Okay? So here it is, March of the King's Highway, March of Freedom Land. The simultaneous wording here in the Gullah Geechee Nation, interchangeable wording here in the Gullah Geechee Nation. Why? The King's Highway is Highway 17. It runs the entire distance of the Gullah Geechee Nation from Jacksonville, North Carolina, to Jacksonville, Florida. All right? The King's Highway was where King's Grants were issued along that that later became the plantations that existed here in the Gullah Geechee Nation. Of course, during chattel enslavement, there's no labor law because it's legal to enslave people and to work them till they die. It's legal to then keep their children in bondage and work them until they die. There's no labor law. So even after the Civil War ends, the Emancipation Proclamation is already been done, all of this, you enter into Reconstruction, you had people now wanting to enslave people through wage slavery, which many of y'all say wanting to, people still are under wage slavery. Because I just read an article that said that in 35 states and the United States, welfare pays more than the minimum wage in the United States. I'm going to say that again, that in 35 states of the United States as of today, as of Labor Day 2013, 35 states in the United States, you can make more money on welfare than with minimum wage. So people wonder why there is a high unemployment rate in the U.S. as a whole, but why also there is the lack of a roll call of the people who are totally off that list, that they're counting in terms of unemployment. These are people who are not unemployable but refuse to even seek employment at a minimum wage rate because they can't live on it. Well, this is why labor unions were so incredibly important and while we get into a celebration of Labor Day, while even in the midst of we definitely want to hail up my brother Riley, who is the leader of the ILA out of Charleston, the International Law Shormans Association, which is part of the AFL-CIO, we want to give them kudos, we want to salute them for continuing to be a union that stands and stands up, speaks out truly is in partnership and solidarity with other unions around the country that does slowdowns and and stand-ups and works. And many of you who are on the Gullah Geechee Nation Facebook fan page, you recently saw articles of how the ILA, which is one of the longest-standing unions in America, and it is Gullah Geechee-run along this coast from Charleston to Savannah to Brunswick, all the way down to Jacksonville, where the ILA has offices and chapters. The leadership is primarily Gullah Geechee. The Charleston chapter, it is Gullah Geechee. The Savannah one, Gullah Geechee. All right? All the way down this coastline, you have Gullah Geechees who have still continued to run the International Longshoremen's Association over these generations. The ILA has been here since the Reconstruction Era. And so... It's truly interesting to us that even now they have to continue to stand in solidarity with others who want to have unions because there are numerous companies out here who do not want unions, and the reason that they do not want unions is because the unions will now seek to make sure that their workers have the proper rights, all right? So now I just want to read to you from even the ILA Constitution about their objects and their purposes. The objects and purposes of the ILA shall include the following, to promote the best interests of its members and and their families, to promote the best interests of its members and their families, and to organize the unorganized workers and to unite within the ILA all workers within its jurisdiction, to bargain collectively, collectively, y'all hear that word, on behalf of all the workers within its jurisdiction, and to negotiate, make, and administer collective bargaining agreements to improve the wages and hours of work, to improve the wages, and hours of work, and to increase the job security and better the work, better the work and living conditions, the work better the work and living conditions of all the workers employed within its jurisdiction, to secure and promote laws for the benefit of all workers within its jurisdiction and labor generally, to engage in political education, and to force the civic interest among its members and labor generally to engage in educational activities to further educational opportunities of its members and their families, to promote health, welfare, pension, recreational and civic programs in the interest of its members and their families and the workers within its jurisdiction, to establish, maintain, and operate clinics, hospitals, labor union halls, and labor temples, to unite with other labor unions and other labor bodies, to assist charitable, religious, and educational bodies and institutions, to instill the spirit of patriotism and devotion to country among its members and their families and within the labor movement. All right. To have devotion among its members and their families within the labor movement. Now, that is a lot to say this is what their purpose is. This is what the objects are that they're focused on. And this requires organization. This requires vision. This requires sustainability. This requires support. And the ILA is a strong union because they hold fast to this. Their members want these improvements for not only them and their family, but you heard, to also have institutions within the community for health and for education. Critical words that many of you are probably surprised as I am to hear within the Constitution of a labor organization. Because you would think that all they do based on how the regular media projects them is like they just fight for their workers and for the wages of their workers and the money. That's all. No. I can speak from the heart and say the ILA has been supportive of the Gullah Geechee Nation. As well. The ILA supported the Gullah Geechee Nation International Music and Movement Festival several different years when we brought it to Charleston. So I greatly appreciate the support that they have given us, the individual members, as well as the union as a body by saying, yeah, we want to sponsor this great work that y'all are doing to educate the community on who we be down here and thing like that. Right we away, we'd have had a thing right drawn into the dock and thing like that to one report. We answer for in the kind of. So who greater to partner with than a union that's been here all through this, these areas of time that also work on the water all the time? But now when we get down to the bottom of about the labor, let's go to the history of Labor Day. Now, I'm looking online, and Labor Day is linked with International Workers' Day around the world. International Workers' Day is actually May 1st, all right? Now, when people started to actually get into having an annual tribute to the contributions that workers made, all right, and to celebrate what it was that workers were contributing to their various countries, the United States and Canada, basically North America, you know, they decided – they would have a special day that they would celebrate. Instead of it being May 1st, May Day, they would instead do the first Monday in September, hence why you have Labor Day. It's not just the time to barbecue. It's not just the end of summer. This is why we end up with the first Monday, all right, in the September month each year in the U.S. being Labor Day. The Central Labor Union and Knights of Labor, were the ones who organized the first parade in New York, all right? So here it is that New York City, interestingly enough, the place where the the only the second largest enslavement auction block in North America also was, turns out to be the first place where the first parade to recognize workers in the country actually celebrated. Now, if you all were wondering, like I was, what are the Knights of Labor? They said that this was one of the most important American labor organizations in the 1880s, all right? A leader of this group, or a very well-known leader, apparently, was Terrence V. Powderly. The Knights promoted the social and cultural uplift of the workmen and rejected socialism and radicalism, they said. But they were the ones that also came forth and demanded an eight-hour work day. So if you want to trace back, well, why do people think that you should put in a 40-hour week and base it out five days a week, eight hours a day, well, then you can trace it back to the nights of labor. And I know many of y'all who are historians who are listening, if you have that kind of ear like I do, you're wondering, well, were these people of African descent? Uh, not at first, all right? But now, when the nights started to you know, get their membership built up, and they started up. They said they were part of the noble order. They took that out from their name later on, and they went through a few different changes with that. They actually started to push for not only the eight-hour workday, but also for legislation to end child and convict labor. Now, we're not going to get into this discussion tonight about convict labor, but I would send you to watch The film Slavery by Any Other Name, Slavery by Any Other Name, that discusses the peonage system, that is an excellent film for you to go ahead and watch. And there are also some other dramatic films that show how this was used against people of African descent, where people had committed no crime, but they would just make up a lie so that they could put black men on a chain gang. So this push was something else that's critical. The eight-hour workday, that ending child and convict labor, and then later they wanted also graduated income tax. So they supported cooperatives as well. So there were many, you know, food co-ops and things today and people going back to farmers' co-ops and other things. Well, they really pushed for that. Their main focus was that eight-hour workday. So what was interesting is that after 1878 is when they actually started. They could not see themselves saying, well, we're going to just do this without being inclusive. So they had a history at times of being exclusive, but then they started saying, well, we need all kind of folks in the ranks. So they accepted women, they accepted people of African descent as members along with people who many of these folks work for, all right? So they had to push in some of the different assemblies of their groups or chapters of their group to even get these folks in, because, of course, some of them in the South, they were like, Nah, I ain't going to be up in here with us. So they went ahead and had separate groups. So you would have an all-black group one place and an all-white group somewhere else, and they would all still be knights of labor, but they just would not have their meetings together, all right? So you had all kinds of different folks that were in this group, the Knights of Labor, who were part of this first organizing of this first parade in New York, along with the Central Labor Union. Now, they proceeded on where in 1882 there was Matthew McGuire, who was a a machinist, and he first proposed the holiday because he was then the secretary of the Central Labor Union of New York. And so some say that ain't really true, he ain't the one. It was Peter McGuire, who was of the American Federation of Labor um, uh, back in 1882 as well, and that he had gone to Toronto, Canada. He saw what they were doing, and he's the one who brought it up. But either way, we know it was a (laughs) McGuire, all right, that was the first one to bring this up and figured that this ought to go on. Well, it said, following the deaths of a number of workers at the hands of the U.S. military and the U.S. marshals during the Pullman strike, then the U.S. Congress unanimously voted to approve rush legislation that made Labor Day a national holiday. So that's where we start to connect Labor Day to the March on Washington. All right? Because... When you first of all hear the March on Washington, that's a truncation. Like much of our story is truncated, and you don't get the whole story. The March on Washington was not the title of the event. The title of the event was March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom which took place on the 28th of August in 1963, so 50 years ago. Hence why y'all saw all the speeches, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, over the last week or so, and why you can still look online and find much commentary about these speeches and about the Civil Rights Movement going on and much banter and debate. All right? They say anywhere from 200,000 and a quarter million people Ended up in Washington for this, so most people just feel like they all came to hear Dr. Martin Luther King make a speech. That's how people make this thing look. That is not how this thing went, okay? In the summer 1941, A. Philip Randolph, who was the founder of the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, these are the Pullman car porters, okay? The Brotherhood of the Sleeping Car Porter's founder, A. Philip Randolph, called for a march on Washington, D.C. He called for that march because of the same thing I just talked about a little while ago, this segregation and exclusionary behavior that had been happening that was leaving people of African descent out of various things. They had been left out of positions in the national defense industry. Remember, a lot of time back then, We talk about a lot of war. I know y'all say, "Well, right now, talking about a lot of war, we ain't gonna even get into that." All right. So, but people of African descent were not getting jobs, and that's where the money was. So, here it is, because that was happening with World War II. Black folk wasn't getting no jobs, and all this kind of stuff. You could go die, but you couldn't come home and think that you were gonna get no work. All right. That's when he wanted to have this march actually happen. Now, there was a civil rights group that got together at the Lincoln Memorial in May of 1957. What they did at that time was called the Prayer Pilgrimage for Freedom. So you had people bringing the spiritual guidance and leading this in first. There was a Prayer Pilgrimage for Freedom, 1957. And this was on the third anniversary of uh, of Brown versus Board of Education, all right? Then, in October 1958, you had a youth march for integrated schools, to protest the lack of progress in the ruling about Brown versus the board, where, you know, you get the separate but equal stuff. Well, it was never equal. It was separate, but it was never equal. And even now, if you look at Corridor of Shame, you'll see throughout the Gullah Geechee Nation, there are many schools still within the Gullah Geechee Nation that still are not equal. They do not have state-of-the-art equipment. They don't even have proper air conditioning. Some don't have proper roofing. And children are still going to school at old school houses. That was here probably since almost since school time, but, you know, not quite. But the latter 1800s, 1900s, there are buildings people still going to school in that are not safe. That's another whole health issue. So Dr. King was there for the prayer pilgrimage for freedom. And he then, um, he was able to address them. But if y'all recall, he had gotten stabbed in his chest during a book signing, and that uh, actual ice pick that went into his chest at that book signing, and just they said this was a fraction over, would have killed him then. He was still recovering from that when this happened in 1958 for the Youth March. So Coretta Scott King actually Went and delivered the remarks in 1958. So don't believe women were never engaged in the movement because when you look at the videos from the march on the 20th of August 1963, you don't see women unless it's Mahalia Jackson singing, God Bless the Day. You don't see the women or you see the women down in the crowd, but you don't see them up on the podium because no women were allowed to actually address the crowd on that day. But women were always behind the movement, engaging the movement, feeding the people, keeping them strong in the movement, singing the songs, leading, and being a part of the movement. So even now when people start to question, well, how come in the Gullah Geechee Nation leaders, you have a lot of women? Well, actually, we have a balance of women and men. But you see a lot of the women who are out front now, and it strikes people because you're so not used to seeing that imagery of women leading but the women have always been engaged in the process. So A. Philip Randolph, the founder of the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, and I encourage you, if you've never seen the film, 10,000 Black Men Named George, please make sure that you get a hold of a copy of that film and have it in your home, in your DVD, Black History Collection, 10,000 Black Men Named George. Please make sure that you go ahead and you watch that film with your family. Don't wake up February. Watch the film with your family and start to understand even the struggles that A. Philip Randolph had to go through to continue to keep the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters together, to continue to organize, and to continue to participate. So can you imagine how it must feel to his descendants, to descendants of the Pullman Car Porters, the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Boarders, to hear and to know that people are given all these accolades and all these honors, and I'm not saying they're not due, but to just say that, okay, this was something that SCLC did. But it was actually A. Philip Randolph who organized this and who was one that came forward with the idea and the concept, and this concept had to be built upon. So you have pillars here. You have 1941 the forming of this this whole concept. You have 1957, the spiritual power and the energy coming in, clearing the way. I, mean, I don't know if a libation ceremony went on or not, but if something tells me there was, even if it was through tears. So you have another pillar there. Then you have the youth, the churn coming in, and, they, and 1958, then you get to 1963. You now have all four corners of the house that these pillars hold up what is now civil rights. All because people wanted jobs and freedom. Woke up this morning with my mind, stayed on freedom. So here it is that you have a lot that's being revisited, but not in totality, all right? There has to be some revisiting of the facts of our story and giving credit where the credit is truly due, when we are engaging ourselves in these commemorations, and much less now when we are talking about going forward in a time of self-determination. And so... It is a critical time for us to know our story because they say that people who do not know their story are destined to repeat it. So in other words, if you don't know history, you are destined to repeat it. It is good to repeat the positive things. It is good to have these groups, these organizations, these lodges, and these fraternal orders these civic organizations that are about the missions of truly engaging in the upliftment of their people, who truly want the health and the conditions and the welfare of the people uplifted and maintained. And so I am definitely not against that. But let's not try to jump out and act like everything that you see today having just a dry long so, or just happened to happen. There were people who gave literal blood, sweat, and tears for it to happen. So when you see that the ILA is even in court today and being told they got to go back to work, they can't continue no slowdowns and all of this, you have to keep in mind what it has taken for them to continue to keep that body, that organization, that focus that will going over all this time. You have to keep in mind what it took for A. Philip Randolph and the his organization and the Pullman car porters, the sleeping car porters, to stay together, to work together, chilling while their names weren't George and people were still calling the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters members all George. All right. So here it is that they stood together. They fought not just for them and their own families, but for others to have a living wage. And now we're hearing that you'll be better off with a welfare wage. Here it is that we have a time where just as of August 30th, lands had signs placed on them because throughout the Gullah Geechee Nation, that was notification that now the counties were going to auction off land coming up in October, that now you have penalties, fees, interest that you have to pay the county to make sure that you retain your land. Much of that land is where our ancestors labored on. Whatever it is that you got to do this month to be able to pull together, organize your family, your friends, your neighborhood to get down there and pay those taxes before those sheriff sales and those auctions happen in October, please go and do that because then You don't have to so much worry about marching somewhere for a job. You need to march out in your field and be able to feed your family. You need to be able to march out and be able to build stands and sell this produce. Get yourself involved in the economic riches and wealth building that is out here in the world. When you can grow your own food, on your own land, and protect your own community, then you have freedom. This is what Cato was fighting for. This is what Denmark Vesey was fighting for. This is what Gullah Jack was fighting for. This is what Dr. Yusuf Clyde was fighting for. This is what Reverend Willis T. Goodwin was fighting for. This is what the Beach Lady Marvin Vest was fighting for, God bless the dead. All of them, been a trying for keep in mind from self-determination in the Gullah Geechee Nation. Pass this your civil rights, which is local law to international arena. Human rights. The God-given right to have protection over yourself, your person, your family. And to have that protection, you need decent shelter. You need decent food. These are the things that help you sustain your health. So, therefore, if an ILA or someone else is coming in and on a clinic, you just go there for regular maintenance. Like how you take your car and and get the oil and the lube job. You carry your body down your owner for regular maintenance. You carry them in a bush and thing like that and get your urban thing like that for regular maintenance. But you ain't a Coaja, you know what I'm saying, so we can only have these things in our areas if we continue to support and maintain them, if we continue to support one another, we have the economic strength that was really what was what they were seeking when they talked about these marches and they talked about the labor unions they were seeking economic independence after reconstruction because they had had this right. Even long before that, but they had to stand up speak out to take this back so when you hear the Gullah Geechee nation declaration, you read it at guligichi nation dot com nation dot com that is g u l l a h g e e c h e e n a t i o n dot c o m GullahGeecheeNation.com. Geechee does not have an I in it when you spell it correctly. When you go there and you read the opening part of our Constitution, but you also read the Gullah Geechee Nation Declaration, you will read that our mission is to preserve, protect, and promote our history, heritage, culture, language, and homeland, and to institute and demand official recognition of the governance rights necessary to accomplish our mission to take care of our community through collective efforts which will provide a healthy environment, care for the well-being of each person, and economic empowerment. So when I think of Labor Day, I think of the slave out here right now with the Dick Sweet Theater and things like that. I think about the healthy environment where well, I've been a sea of people who been from Club Ridge Creek this, this afternoon, the catch crab and things like that, by the bucket and things like that, that we have a healthy environment that our people can go to these waterways and be able to sustain themselves and sustain their families. And this is something that we fight for daily. This is something that we seek support for on a regular basis, and as others tell us, well, because of their economic hardships, they cannot support us in the Gullah Geechee Nation. We don't end up getting the grants. We are not the ones that are line item in anybody's budget, but we know that as we stand for our mission, what do we do it? How do we do it? We stand to take care of our community. How? Through collective efforts. The same collective efforts is what it takes to have a sustained labor union that could then promote a holiday and create one and have it celebrated around the world, and we call it Labor Day, whether it's May 1st or the first Monday in September. That collective effort is what pushed forth those sleeping car porters. That's what pushed forth the group to end up marching for jobs and freedom. All right? These are the things that when we talk about Labor Day, civil rights, self determination, our people as Gullah Geeches have been involved in every phase. We have Gullah Geeches who were part of the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters. My cousin, who is 100 years old, you heard me right, he is 100 years old. He comes out to my events to help support the healthy environment. The Gullah Geechee Celebration of the Sea is coming up September the 14th at Hunting Island Nature Center where I spent my afternoon sitting at the creekside eating a crab burger. Why would I eat it? Because I know that these waterways around here we're fighting to keep them healthy, part of a healthy environment. We will be there September the 14th from noon till 5 showing people how to fish, how to crab, how to make a cast net, how for guay out having plenty good things for Pun. Yes, we will be serving some seafood. We'll be serving some okra and meadows and things like that. we are serving sweet potato, all harvested here from our land that God has blessed us to still have that healthy environment. That's part of how we care for the well-being of each person because as we work together, Chile, and they ain't going to get weary and things like that. And we together underneath the oak tree and things like that and Yam yeah, Fun thing, together. We have a lot of opportunities then where we, because we are spiritually together, heal one another just by virtue of being there in a collective. We back to that collective effort. So when we're there, Yes, we sell dinners, we sell books, we sell craft items, we sell the cast nets. That's part of the economic sustainability of the Gullah Geechee Nation. There's the economic empowerment. When people then make money from the labor of their hands, they're able to use those funds to go back into the land taxes to keep the land and then to work the land, to go out, have their boats, and be out on the water. And so that is the thing that we do here as Gullah Geechis. And so here it is that you have a collective unit within the Gullah Geechee Nation. This is how our ancestors lived and worked. This is what made this a place that the civil rights workers, the people who wanted to make change came, trained, were kept safe, were fed, all right, literally and spiritually, figuratively, all the way around, and spiritually, they were fed and then could go out and march together so that we could still be here in such a time as this, focused on international human rights. And so even tonight, as I see some questions of sense and some that have to be coming from a point of lack of knowledge that are being presented even in the chat room, shrimps and rice Not shrimps and rice, shrimps and rice. Yes, shrimps are part of our diet here in the Gullah Geechee Nation, and they're put forth. And in regard to queenship and leadership, I'm a head of state and a queen mother. Understanding the dynamics of the layout of the Gullah Geechee Nation, you go to Gullah and get an understanding of what that is. So that you understand how the constitution of our government is set up that also has many of the same things within it that we also heard read from the ILA Constitution in terms of making sure that the welfare of the community is protected. And if citizens of the Gullah Geechee Nation do not participate in their own well-being by coming out, to participate in ensuring the economic welfare of the community, ensuring the protection of their environment, being an active part of even these shoreline rebuilds so that we can improve the water quality and sustain the quality of the water and the quality of life here, then that, again, is a choice. And you have the choice to then either be an active part of a living community that has been here and was written of even during chattel enslavement as for a nation within a nation and go forward as part of the collective unit. Or you can be a part of the collective global problem by complacency, by sitting back, by doing nothing more than watching on TV. So here it is that this question comes in the room. So what would I be? This person wondered, would they be a citizen? If you are Gullah Geechee ancestry that's native to the Gullah Geechee Nation, this person is mentioning, the have family, even from Sullivan's Island and Charleston, very likely if you're of African descent and your family is native to Sullivan's Island, which was the island where over 40% of all Africans enslaved in America came through, then you would be a citizen of the Gullah Geechee Nation. See, and that is part of the misleading part of his story versus our story is that when others went to Africa and saw how kingships, queenships, and chieftains are set up, they took it back and created monarchies in Europe, which are very different, and that's where subjects are, Where in these other places you have citizens and you have members of villages. You have people that are working in a collective unit, and that's what we seek to continue here in the Gullah Geechee Nation. So as part of that, and definitely in honor of our ancestors who continue to do that kind of work, even on Johns Island that I mentioned earlier, that was a major part of the Civil Rights Movement, I definitely want you all to join us as the Preservation Society of Charleston unveils a historic marker for the Progressive Club on Johns Island on September 8th. That's coming up next weekend, which is next Sunday, September 8th at 2 o'clock. The event is free and is open to the public. If you go to the Gullah Geechee Nation Facebook fan page or to preservationsociety.org, you will see all the information there. And the sponsor for that event is the Johns Island Conservancy. And so in 2011, many of us as historians were called upon to talk about many of the things that are around Charleston that are significant. And so, of course, the civil rights era sites were one of the major things people were looking at because they knew we were approaching the 50th commemoration time for the March on Washington desegregation of schools. And so here it is next weekend. You're going to have people who are engaged and the process, and who are descendants of people who are engaged in this process. You're going to have speakers that are going to be Evan Thompson, who is the director of the Preservation Society, who is sponsoring this, Abraham Jenkins, who's Esau Jenkins' son, all right, the oldest son, We have one of our Gullah Geechee Nation leaders, elders, we just love him dearly, Bill Saunders. We don't have no love for you now, Abraham Jenkins, but just also Bill Saunders, who is a civil rights leader. He will also be speaking. All of them will be on September the 8th, 2 o'clock, as this dedication happens on Johns Island. Now, many of you don't realize, but there are a number of Civil Rights era sites that were put on a list called the seven to save. And so there's an alliance of historians, preservationists, and so forth, that wanted to make sure that there was protection of Gullah Geechee story. And many others just say it's African-American history, of black history. But it's specifically here is Gullah Geechee. All these people we named are Gullah Geechee. Um, Esau Jenkins and Bill Saunders and Abraham Jenkins. And so... Esau Jenkins actually founded the Progressive Club in 1948 as a civic education group for the education of the residents of Johns Island. So as I mentioned that earlier in the show, this is an opportunity for you to be part of our story going forward, again, being part of that collective. And once again, please come out and join us at the Hunting Island Nature Center for Gullah Geechee. Celebration of the Sea on Saturday, September the 14th from noon to 5. And we're going to talk some more about that next week on the broadcast leading up to all of this. But definitely, I honor A. Philip Randolph and all of our leaders of the Gullah Geechee Nation, our folks at the ILA, the founders of the ILA, and all of them for leading the way to continue to protect our story along the way. And to definitely serve our people. So I definitely appreciate each and every one of Hunter Chillin what a tune in. You can always email me at g u l l g e e c o at a o l dot com or gwine to we website gulagiche dot n e t. And Hunter Chillin, I hope Hunter got join me right here again next Monday. Have a blessed rest of this show. Live a day. And keep on marching and walking together, children. Don't you get weary.